Welcome to the Spotlight Lipedema Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Pelnitz. I'm not a doctor or a medical professional. I'm a woman with lipedema and lymphedema who wants to shine a light on what lipedema is and the challenges of living with it. This podcast is dedicated to everyone with lipedema, both those that know that they have it and those who remain undiagnosed. When I learned about lipedema back in 2017, I was shocked that something like this could exist with most doctors knowing nothing about it. I knew right then and there that I had to play my part in making this disfiguring disorder better known so fewer people will continue to go undiagnosed. My hope is that the Spotlight Lipedema podcast will become a forum where we can connect to people living with shared challenges, concerns, and fears. A place where we can share a knowledge of not just living with lipedema, but thriving with it. Some place where we can learn from each other and hopefully from some experts in the field. So thank you for joining me on my lipedema journey. Hi, I'm Lori Pelnitz, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 10 of the Spotlight Lipedema podcast. Today's episode is going to be the first of a series of podcasts on eating plans, followed by people with lipedema. Before we get started, I want to reiterate that officially this podcast is eating plan neutral. Each of our bodies is different. We have different eating histories, different hormone histories, different genetics, and this all affects our health and our lipedema. Each of us needs to focus on what works for our individual bodies. Furthermore, nothing on this podcast should be considered medical advice. For any medical decisions, including your eating plan, please consult your personal physician. So now I would like to welcome to the podcast an expert in the area of lymphatics, the significance of the lymphatic system function in our bodies, and how eating a ketogenic eating plan supports lymphatic and full body health. Many of you are already familiar with Leslie Keith. She is the president of the board and director of research for the Lipedema Project. Leslin has a clinical doctorate in occupational therapy with an emphasis on lymphedema and obesity. She was certified as a lymphedema therapist in 2000 and became LANA certified in 2001. Dr. Keith has started four lymphedema therapy programs in California, including two in private practice. In addition to treating lymphedema and other lymphatic disorders, she currently researches, consults, and lectures on lymphedema, lipedema, and obesity nationally. She's also an instructor for close training and the author of the book, The Ketogenic Solution for Lymphatic Disorders, Lose Weight and Dramatically Reduce Swelling. Welcome, Leslin. Thank you, Lori. Nice to be with you. And I, I'm excited that to be part of the only podcast dedicated to lipedema. Thanks for doing this. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And um, I'm just so excited to have you here. I've seen so much of what you and Catherine and the other members of the lipedema project have been doing and through lipedema simplified. So I'm excited to have you here. You're, you're my very first expert. So this is this is a, a big day for me. Great. And I'm hoping that you have more to come because I think that there's a lot of people involved in this field that would like to get the word out and would love to be interviewed by you. Well, thank you. You know, I'm, I'm so excited about just what's going on in general right now, because I know, especially it seems like even since the late spring, early June with Lipedema Awareness Month, there's so many things that are going on, people doing Instagram things on a regular basis and a bunch of people doing Zoom webinars. And, and to me, just the more voices that are out there talking about lipedema, the better. 
because yes. it's been in hiding for so long. Yes, but, absolutely. But one of the things that I think most of us who, when we finally get that diagnosis of lipedema and we realize that there's not only a, a fat issue going on, but there's also a lymphatic issue going on, we all of a sudden start to feel like now we need to not only be experts on fat, we need to be experts on lymphatics. And they really are, are kind of so intertwined. You know, it's you kind of become an, an, an expert by no choice on, on both of them one way or the other. But for people who are especially just learning that they have lipedema, I wanted to have you here so that you could kind of explain why the lymphatics are so important. I mean, they've been so under-researched and understudied for so long. Why are they so important for everybody and especially for people with lipedema? Yes, uh, thank you for bringing that up because this is an interesting concept about lipedema is that there is a, 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 a little bit of a disagreement in the field that whether or not there is any actual edema associated with lipedema, but now there's some recent exciting um, research outcomes that pretty definitively say that yes, there is an edema component, there is lymphatic dysfunction, um, and it's not in the same way that we have dysfunction in, say, like lymphedema, like when you have a, a lymph nodes removed from cancer treatment and then you get swelling because of that. It's in a different manner, um, but it is pretty conclusively um, thought now that there is a lymphatic component, there is edema associated with lipedema. And I think you already know about that research that came out um, with Dr. Stanley Roxon at Stanford is, was one of the researchers in a group that was looking for a biomarker for lymphatic dysfunction. And right. in a study they just did on both animals and humans, they found that it was elevated, uh, this biomarker was elevated in women with lipedema and it was not elevated in women with obesity. So, um, and it was always elevated in someone who had like lymphedema or something like that with a very high level of confidence. So um, what they concluded is that we now know that lipedema is a lymphatic disorder. And um, what we're seeing in, in various other studies is that it's actually fluid that becomes trapped in the lipedema fat in the lower body. Uh, so we're not sure entirely of the mechanism that causes it, but we're seeing in another study showed elevated sodium levels in lipedema, skin, fat, and muscle mm -hmm. in the lower body. And was this elevated sodium level causing um, more water to become trapped in the tissues? Um, we're not sure, but there also is an element of lymphatic dysfunction, meaning that we have reduced transport capacity. We don't have the capacity to have actually um, evacuate excess fluid. So it remains trapped in the fat because we can't mobilize it. We can't get it out. Um, so there's just, there's a lot of, of neat, important stuff that we're learning about lipedema that we're beginning to understand it better and thus, we hope, we'll then be able to manage the condition better. Right. And isn't there also, I think Dr. Herbst had said something about it, it not 
necessarily even being a fluid so much as a gel that also right. makes yeah. it she difficult is, to evacuate. Right, right. She's looking at, uh, it might actually be um, a connective tissue disorder. And so she was looking at the, um, the fibrous material that was probably also trapping the fluid and making it gel-like in, uh, in the lipedema fat. So uh, that could be also another factor. The fact is that we do know that when you do things like apply compression or other things that we do to try to reduce edema, we can affect some change also in women with lipedema, some volume uh, reduction. Um, so, uh, but it is just not going to be as responsive to right. that those kind of treatments as other um, edema situations or other swelling situations are because it's it's more it's trapped in the fat. So it is, it's a lot, a lot more uh, resistant and difficult, but it, it is doable. And a major thing is to, how can we remodel the fat? How can we change the presence of fibrosis? How can we change um, the factors that create inflammation and possibly increase the fluid load? So we, we are trying to work from both ends to try to affect the change in the tissue to reduce the symptoms of lipedema. Right. And it seems that, I mean, of course, diet, I don't like to use that word, but um, what we consume is going to have a major impact on that right? because of the food sensitivities and the types of foods people are eating and whether or not they cause inflammation. And I, I kind of look at inflammation as being the scourge because it seems like no matter what we're doing, it all right. boils down to inflammation. So one of the other things that I right. think is, is really important is that people just don't understand the lymphatics and how the fat has a job to do. It's not just there to be annoying for right. us. Right. Um, but that's the other thing that I thought was important for us to touch on today was the importance of what fat has to do for our bodies. Right, right. Um, we need to have a certain amount of fat. Um, on our bodies. And interestingly, when you look at just the evolution of the human body and how we developed over the course of evolution, we've always had this close association between adipose tissue and lymphatics. And what many researchers are concluding is that the lymphatics actually rely on adipose tissue for fuel. So, um, for instance, if you, have, if you have breast cancer and you're having lymph nodes removed um, from your armpit, they have to dig around in a little fat pad to find the lymph nodes that may have cancer in them. So they can't just say, oh, I opened you up and I saw that you have 36 nodes under your arm. They have no idea. They're just finding the ones that have the blue dye to pull them out of that fat pad. Mm -hmm. And so some uh, researchers in Australia um, Natasha Harvey and others did several studies, animal studies, which need to be, would be nice to repeat it on humans. But what they found was that when there was an acute infection, so uh, acute inflammatory situation and an infection, then we all of a sudden had lipolysis. We had fat breaking down. And what she found is that she believes that the lymphatic system, which is a big part of our immune system, 
required that energy from the fat to give it power to in order to mount an immune response. But interestingly, that when we had chronic inflammation, just as you were talking about, you know, chronic inflammation seems to be the foundation for all of our current ills. When we have chronic inflammation, we had lipogenesis, we had fat building up because the lymphatic system said, I have this chronic situation that I have to continually have an immune response to. Therefore, I'm going to need constant ready fuel. And so it is the two feed on each other. So you can have inflammation that causes swelling. The swelling says, I need more fat because there's a chronic inflammation. And so then the two can build on each other. And this may be one of the things that's happening in lipedema is that the more fluid we have trapped in the fat, the more fat that is being built in that area. Wow. One of the things that I've read about, I think in your writing and in the work of Professor Ben Bickman, is about about the the two different types of conditions of fat cells, the hypertrophic and the hyperplasia. Right. Could you go into a little bit of 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 what that is all about and how that's particularly important when it comes to lipedema? Because I right. know Dr. Herbst talks about that as well. Yeah. So hypertrophic means that you have a fat cell that has unlimited ability to continue to grow and grow and grow. I mean, it could just keep um, piling stuff in it, in it and it can keep stretching. And the other way that, that we can become uh, overweight or obese is that we can have hyperplasia. And so that means that, that you're just continually building new fat cells. And the problem is that with the hypertrophic cells that pretty soon it's going to come to its limit. I mean, um, but the person that can continually make new adipocytes, new fat cells, can have always have place to store this extra uh, adipose tissue. They won't run out of, of room to put it. Um, and uh, you'll have to, you probably even know more about this than I do, um, Lori, but as far as what Ben Bickman says, I mean, he talks about then when um, it runs out of places to put it into our safe fat cells, which women with lipedema have safe fat cells around their hips and thighs and not around their organs, um, then it's going to start putting it around the organs. It's going to start putting right. it in those places where it is very bad for your health. Um, then you start having fatty liver, fatty pancreas, um, all these other conditions that cause those organs to not function well, and then that leads to sickness and disease. So, uh, so it actually, women with lipedema have a protective type of obesity until they, if, if they progress to the point where they also have abdominal obesity along with the lipedema, then it's not so good. Right. But in, in the beginning, when all the fat is being deposited uh, on the, the lower body, that's actually a safe place. And it actually was adaptive um, when over our course of evolution, we had to have uh, the females of the species be able to, to survive uh, famine and be able to still reproduce and be able to care for their young. And by being able to store fat on the lower body that wasn't metabolically harmful because mm -hmm. it wasn't around their organs, 
that allowed us to survive. So really, the human race owes it to women with lipedema um, that we're even here, that we're yeah. still around. Yeah, power um, to the power to the lipedema women. That's right. <laughs> but well, that's I, I, one of the things that makes me think of, and and I know many women with lipedema have had this ex same experiences. What you go to the doctor and and they see that you've got all of this excess weight and it's you know all in the hip and leg area, and they're convinced that when they do your blood work, it's going to be horrible and you're going to be right. diabetic. Right. And for years, I would confound my doctors because my lab work was optimal. I mean, right. not just good, it was optimal. Right. right. And my blood pressure was good. And they just, they didn't know what to do. I mean, they still kept telling me I needed to lose weight. Uh -huh. And of course, I was telling them I was trying and it wasn't working. Uh -huh. But of course, they don't listen to that. So it, right. it kind of became... You, you must not have been following a, a correct right. diet. You must be eating in your sleep or something like that. Right. I mean, exactly. there is a, a lack of understanding and really uh, a belief in, and a trust in, in a person, um, in women when they're going to their doctors. And mm -hmm. in what you're talking about, I was just reading an article this morning that was published in 2019, actually, um, December. So it's been out for a while. I just, I just came across it, though. But it was a survey of over 200 women who had just had liposuction for lipedema. And um, the, the group that put this together wanted just to see what different comorbidities that the women have and stuff like that. And just what you said, that these women who responded to the survey had a lower than normal incidence than the general population of diabetes, of cholesterol, of, of abnormal cholesterol levels, of, of high blood pressure. Those were all lower. Right. Um, but interestingly, um, they also talked about a couple of conditions where women with lipedema had a higher than normal incidence when they compared them to um, women who just had simple obesity. And so I thought this was very interesting because this is common that, that lipedema is confused with uh, obesity. And there is another way that it's different. We don't have those conditions. And then here's several that, they, that we have more often. And one of them is low thyroid. 36% of the respondents had low thyroid. So yep. I thought that was really interesting. And then another one is, um, and this is not to say that lipedema causes depression, but they had a much higher than the general population than the obese general population of poor depression, 23%. And then one last one that was interesting was migraine. 22% had migraines. Well, that's interesting. Um, so I don't know how all those three fit in, but I thought that was very interesting information. When Eventually, um, when the Lipedema Projects gets to do our own clinical trial, those are the type of things I want to track, that I want to find out, you know, what the different comorbidities that the women have, and mm -hmm. then um, at the end of the trial, see where those things are. Was there any change to those? Right. Well, actually, that it's interesting because I also tested with for low thyroid, and a while back, I, I did also suffer from depression, um, 
But I mean, can you comp- can you? I mean, who wouldn't be depressed when you spend your entire life trying to lose weight? And you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing and it doesn't work and you get blamed for it not working. Uh-huh. Right, right. And obviously... And, and you feel hopeless because yes, you have do. done everything that you're supposed to do and it didn't work. Right. So that, it seems to me, that would lead to depression. Um, I, I think you're familiar with Joanna Dudek's work. Uh, she's a uh, PhD psychologist in Poland and she did a quite a large... Um, study, um, again, online uh, survey, and she was looking at women with lipedema and seeing um, how the lipedema has had affected them psychologically. And um, she was examining several things, kind of what you're talking about, that the, um, the body dysmorphia, the, mm-hmm. um, the hopelessness on how these things all contributed to um, anxiety and depression. And when you are able to um, do something to affect change, to improve your condition, how your quality of life and your mobility and various things improve, but also your mood improves. Mm -hmm. And then in conjunction with that, in other studies, just looking at lifestyle and um, mood and depression, there is quite a lot of uh, indication that this high carbohydrate diet is more associated with depression and anxiety. And so there's, and there's various theories about what's happening with the neurotransmitters and stuff and the like that, that, that. Right. That mm-hmm. could be happening with that. Exactly. Yeah. So, it makes sense when you think of, yeah. you see those things where they talk about how, if you look at, um, whatever it is, the MRI of a brain that's activated right. by cocaine and one right. that's activated by sugar, it's the mm-hmm. same. So yeah. it, it, it really, it, it kind of makes sense. But I know there's a lot yeah. more research that needs to be done to be able to, right. to prove it. Um, yeah, so I think that um, by changing our lifestyle and, you know, I'm a big proponent of diet, as you know, right. um, using a ketogenic diet, when there's a couple different things that are affecting the the mood um, of a woman with lipedema, because one is maybe we're not having that negative effect, inflammatory effect on our brains and our nervous system. And also as we see that there is hope and we're right. able to uh, affect change, that, uh, that that's also going to improve your, your mental health and your and your mood and stuff. So I think it, it's several things are, are coming together mm-hmm. that can be a tool for women with lipedema that can improve that part of your life. Well, I, I know for me personally, um, even though I have not always been as compliant in following a ketogenic eating plan as, as I should have been, I discovered that it was definitely the right eating plan for, for me. Um, a couple of years ago, I had been doing a different plan where it was essentially a, like a low carb diet, but it wasn't putting, you know, it was putting the emphasis, emphasis more on eating green leafy vegetables and protein versus, uh-huh. versus the fat. Uh-huh. And then, so I was, I was feeling better and I had more energy and I was losing weight, but really slowly. Uh-huh. And somebody who I was kind of interacting with at the time said, well, you know, you should eat more fat. And it surprised me, but 
he explained why. And so I said, well, you got the heck, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. And I was astounded because I went from losing maybe five pounds over the course of about six months to losing in the course of a year, somewhere between 50 and 60 pounds. And so it obviously was quite amazing. Yeah, it was it was I mean, it just was literally just falling off. Yeah. Sadly, though, because it still is very slow to come off the bottom part, it kind of accentuates the disproportion somewhat. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, you know, the benefits Mm -hmm. are are tremendous for me. So can you just kind of give a a brief example description of, of ketogenic eating for people who might not be familiar with it? and how that helps sure. with the lymphatic health sure. and lipedema. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my favorite topic, as you know. Yeah. So, so a ketogenic lifestyle is restricting your carbohydrates and, as you just said, increasing your fat intake and making sure you have an adequate protein. And I will tell you that, especially women, we tend not to eat enough protein. Um, We tend to be more following a vegetarian lifestyle, and so we are lacking protein, which I think contributes to depression, osteoporosis, and all kinds of stuff. But um, so in this way of eating, it is not necessarily high protein, but it is a moderate amount of protein intake. And then when you're trying to lose fat, you don't necessarily need to eat a lot of fat, although that, I mean, everybody's individual and it did help you, but um, as long as your carbohydrate is restricted, your body is looking for another source of energy and it can either use dietary fat that you're eating and or it could use the fat that you're storing in your body. Whereas when you're eating a lot of carbohydrates, it cannot access all that stored fat. So it, it remains and you, um, and especially for women with lipedema, that seems to be particularly resistant. And so, um, you know, that's always been the, the byline on lipedema is that it's resistant to diet and exercise that, you know, women were going on starvation diets and exercising like crazy. And if anything happened at all, it was just on the upper body right. and nothing was affecting the lower body. And so what we've been finding, and right now it's anecdotal, um, but it's anecdotal of about 8,000 women right. <laughs> um, that, uh, that we are losing fat also on the lower body. And for many of the women, yes, they seem to still have a lipedema shape. They seem to still be larger on the, the lower body than they are on the upper body, but the lower body is decreasing. Whereas before, with all the various different diets that, you know, multiple diets that they tried, that there was nothing happening on the lower body. So now it is happening on the lower body, but maybe not as quickly as it happens on the upper body. So we're still finding out more and more about how to tweak what's called the ketogenic diet and so that it works for each individual woman because everybody's gonna different, be different. And one thing that might have happened with you when you increased your fat intake, you might have decreased some plants that were considered keto, but maybe there was some chemical in those plants that was inflammatory to you. So if you don't do well with um, uh, lignans or, uh, you know, 
um, various inflammatory things that might be in plants, um, nightshades or something, so that these plants are considered keto, so mm -hmm. it was part of your diet. But, um, you know, I have some people that did, do, eat a lot of almonds. I used to eat a lot of almonds until I got a kidney stone right. because almonds are high in oxalate. Right. So uh, we're doing all the almond flour. We're, you know, having almonds for a snack. And then you, you get a buildup of those oxalates, and it's not so good for you. Right. And so it might have been that as you increased your fat intake, you weren't as hungry, and you didn't eat as much of potentially inflammatory foods for you, even though they were keto. Right. And this is the things that we need to find out that, you know, you can have a general food list that these are all considered keto foods because they're low in carbohydrate and maybe also high in fat. Um, but they may still not be a good food for you. And so we have to look at, you know, what is your, your preferences just for taste, right? What is, what works well with your body and what doesn't work well with your body. Um, and that it, it can, you know, take a lot of individualization. You might need to consult with a physician who is familiar with this lifestyle. Um, right. you might go to, as you did to a keto coach. Right. to help you tweak those things. Well, it, it's interesting that you, you mentioned this because one of the things I'm kind of in the middle of right now is I decided to participate in uh, one of the Facebook uh, groups and organizations that's very active in the ketogenic community. Um, I decided to participate in their carnivore challenge for four weeks. Ah, yes. And I, I had been kind of um, trying to stick with keto and struggling to stay disciplined. Um, I mean, I'm one of, I, I, I'm very familiar with what I should and shouldn't be doing, but for me, it's having the discipline to do it as well as some of my uh, physical limitations kind of make it difficult sometimes to cook. And, uh -huh. and so I, I just sure. haven't always been able to do that. But anyway, I decided I was going to buckle down for this uh, carnivore challenge. And so this Sunday will be the end of the third week. Uh -huh. And I'm amazed at the change in three weeks. Wow, Lori, that is so impressive. I mean, I, 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 and I, I, this is a common story with women with lipedema. The ones that are able to do this, that, that, that they are able to adopt that lifestyle um, without trauma, because right. for some women it might be traumatic, um, and they're able to do it just physically, um, be able to access the foods that are on that way of eating and to be able to prepare them um, they have been seeing big changes. Tell, I would right. just love to hear what, yeah, what has well, happened. The, the first thing to me that was, um, I guess the biggest thing that I could notice is that I literally can see my thighs kind of deflating. Wow. I start to have dents in them. So that's how I can tell when the, the, um, the swelling and the, the inflammation is subsiding because mm -hmm. I, I have like almost ripples where the, you know, where there was, I guess, edema before it's gone. Yes. Yes. The other thing is, um, I take my blood pressure every day mm -hmm. and I've noticed that my blood pressure is pretty much normal even before I take my blood pressure medication. So now I'm taking wow. my blood pressure before I, I medicate myself mm -hmm. first thing in the daytime. So I don't take more than I don't want to give myself low blood pressure. Right. And so right. I'm, I'm going to be talking to my doctor soon about 
maybe making adjustments officially. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the other things that was amazing to me was, and I don't know if this is a combination of carnivore, and I also started taking um, serapeptase enzyme. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I had um, I had surgery on both legs, so I have these huge incisions on both sides of my my hip thigh area. And even though I had been doing um, a lot of deep tissue massage and just your regular everything out that people do for lymphedema, you know, the mm-hmm. wearing the the compression leggings and um, it's really hard for me to keep that area compressed because the hips are just impossible to keep compressed sometimes, mm-hmm. but. I had kind of residual scar tissue that I just haven't been able to get away, uh, get really, I mean, I cut it a little bit softer, but it, it just was still there. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Wow. That, I mean, that, that's stunning. That's I, stunning. I literally, I, I, I'm trying to think what day of the week it was. It was just in the last, you know, five days or so. I kind of felt the side of my leg to see how things were going because I usually would take out my deep tissue massager and and try and and just kind of vibrate use like the vibration it's not like super intensive digging into the tissue but just I use a flathead and just kind of really vibrate that area and it was all soft and squishy and and it was just gone Mm -hmm. and this was on both sides of my my leg or, or I should say on the sides of both legs and then the the final the other thing is is I've got a chair that kind of helps me get up. But usually even once I'm in a standing position, I would need to grab a cane right right away to be able to just stand without starting to feel like I was going to fall over. But I realized all of a sudden yesterday, without even thinking, I stood completely up and I didn't grab my cane. And it it was just like natural that I didn't feel like I needed to hold on to something as soon as I stood up. So... I was, I was just, I've just been amazed by it. And this is only in three weeks. Three weeks. That's really exceptional, Lori. And and I think that too, that everything that you're talking about is substantiated in, in the research literature. I'm just reading an article um, about uh, fibrosis in fat tissue and how they were able to demonstrate, again, I think it was animals, so... Not all this stuff has been translated to humans yet, but they showed how ketones had an action that decreased fibrosis in fat tissue, which is particularly important for women with Mm -hmm. lymphedema because we tend to get fibrosis. But Mm -hmm. when you're talking about that keloid tissue, that scar tissue um, uh, going away when you are eating a carnivore diet, um, I I, I think it's got to be a ketone action. I, I don't know if it's the combination of the enzymes and the right. ketones. Right. Because I know Absolutely. the enzymes are supposed to be good for that as well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've had this scar tissue there for, I mean, my surgery was in August of 2018. So it's, mm-hmm. it's been there for a while. And that's mm-hmm. been one of my fears is that I would be stuck with it forever. And it's, it's, it's pretty much gone. And I had a couple of other fibrotic areas one is pretty much gone and the other one I can feel is, is significantly softer. So, so it's definitely working, which it, it really is, is motivating Yes. to stick with it. Yeah. yeah and, and just about every um, randomized controlled trial, whether comparing a ketogenic diet with another diet, um, all on human subjects, 
they found that not only did the keto people lose more weight, but they were the ones that uh, resolved diabetes, lowered their blood pressure as you did, um, mm -hmm. their waistline decreased, all these other things um, improved besides uh, weight loss. And so all these metabolic factors improved. Um, and now also you're demonstrating just tissue improvement. Right. Which is super important. Yeah, I, I've been really pleased. I mean, and, and, you know, I'm at the point where I don't need to be convinced that this is the right thing for me. I, I understand for other people, they their mileage may vary. They might not have mm -hmm. that same benefit. But right. fortunately for me... I don't know if me, you've already um, discussed on your podcast before about what a carnivore diet is, but basically... No, it's I just haven't. Eating, and it's just eating animal products. So right. if it comes from an animal, then it's on the diet. And some people are really restrictive and just have meat, water, and salt. But it can also include dairy and uh, eggs and... Yeah, that's you know, that's the version I've been so, doing, is the, right, including right. the dairy and... and um, cheese and and all of that type of of it, it yes. basically makes the the menu tolerable because i think i would mm -hmm. go although i do like to eat meat i would go crazy if that was all mm -hmm. i was eating yeah uh, so and and, and so uh, people who are considering this because it has been shown anecdotally to be um, helpful for women with lipedema especially when they've been doing keto and they hit a stall like yourself um, it, it's something that it can be temporary. I think you always still need to, um, when you go off of it, you still need to be low carb because we know that high carb intake is not going to be good for lipedema, but it doesn't mean that you have to stay completely animal source products for the rest of your life, unless you choose to. I mean, there's right. people who've been on it for 10 or, or more years and they're, they're doing, um, great. Right. Um, but people also just use it as an elimination diet because right. they're trying to figure out what's that plant food that I really like. Is that actually causing me inflammation? Is it causing me problems? And when you go off of all plants and then you add a, one plant back at a time, you can more easily see what is giving you issues and what is, is perfectly fine for your body. Exactly. A, I mean, that's you know. my plan because I, mm -hmm. I, um, I know that they they kind of call it ketovore, where yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. they they are they're trying to figure out. But but that's it exactly is is I think if I can since I've pretty much eliminated all the the plant foods, I could start to figure out which are the ones that impact me, because I did some of those um, food sensitivity tests, and for me it was more of an experiment because I wanted to see how what the results were in those tests compared to what my life experience has been. Right. And what was interesting, I had two different tests, and between the two of them, I can't eat any food anymore, because uh, right. on all right. of them, one or the other, it is causing me to be sensitive, or is I'm sensitive to everything. Mm -hmm. um, but so I figured, well, the only way that I'm really going to know is for me to be able to do, you know, that n equals one test for me, and mm -hmm. and so I figured meat's pretty basic. Fat's pretty basic. I mean, it's what we need to live. So I'll mm -hmm. start with that, and then mm -hmm. I'll I'll add right. from there and see what what helps. One of the other things that while we're talking about diet is um, for people who do decide to follow a ketogenic plan, salt is really important. And, oh wow! And yes. The, um, our our electrolytes. So if mm -hmm. you could go into that a little bit and why it's also important for for people with lipedema. 
Yes, um, and especially for um, women with lipedema, because there is an edema component, they have been told that they should limit their salt intake because it's going to make them swell more and it's going to be bad for you know high blood pressure and, and for their heart. And these two things have not borne fruit. These have, have not been shown to be true. But that uh, myth is still living very, very strongly in our culture. And so women who are coming to decide that they want to give a ketogenic lifestyle a try automatically come with, uh, okay, but I'm not going to, I'm still going to do low salt because I don't want to swell and I, I want to be safe for my heart. And unfortunately, the opposite happens. Because salt is one of our vital electrolytes, you can't live without it. I mean, the most common reason that the elderly go to the emergency room is because they're low salt. Wow. You can die if you're low salt. And, and for that reason, your body makes you feel very, very bad when you're low salt. And so what happens when you go on a ketogenic diet, you end up releasing a lot of your salt because you don't have insulin that's directing your body to hold on to it. And so you pee it out. And when you lose all that salt and you don't replenish it, you feel lightheaded, dizzy, very, very weak. Like it's just hard to lift an arm. Mm -hmm. um, you have a headache. Um, you just feel generally very bad. And, and believe it or not, you can swell when you're low salt. You can swell because your water, your body starts retaining water in an effort to keep whatever salt that it is there. It wants to keep it. So, um, so the trick when you decide to give a ketogenic lifestyle a try is that you have to increase your salt intake. Mm -hmm. you, you can't still remain low salt at that point. It's what people often call keto flu because it right. feels like you have a bad case of the flu. But all it is is that you have low salt, and it's very quickly reversed. If you can just take a pinch, maybe an eighth teaspoon of salt, and follow that with some water mm -hmm. to help it go down, within 15 minutes you will feel markedly improved. So it is, you're, it's very fast acting. It's not, so if it was the flu, you would still feel bad after you had that salt. So that's one way to know that, um, that oh yeah, I was too low salt. The other thing that might happen is with low salt and also if your other important electrolytes, your magnesium and your potassium become low, um, you can get muscle cramps. Right. Yes, I've so, experienced those as well. Yes, so I make yes. sure to, to get enough potassium and magnesium. Uh -huh. But I had another question. Now, one of the things that the research has shown is that women with lipedema have an excess of sodium in their yes. tissue. Yes. So what about that with salt consumption? You know, is does does the salt additional salt consumption affect that? sodium level, the sodium in the fat? So one of the, the big uh, things that they've always thought that, you know, if you have too much salt, it's going to increase your, uh, if you have too much salt in your blood or too much sodium in your blood, it's going to create water or increased volume in your circulatory system, which would increase your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, there are some people that are sodium sensitive. And so when you increase your salt intake, you should always consult with your physician. 
Um, uh, hopefully it will be a physician that is familiar with the ketogenic lifestyle because they'll usually give you the party line, which is to keep your salt intake low. But um, unless you're one of those unusual people that is salt sensitive, um, that it's especially salt or sodium that's in your tissues and not in your blood, has no impact on your blood pressure. And the large epidemiological studies that they've done with over 100,000 people, I mean, we're talking wow. large, they have shown that if there was any change to having a drastically reduced low sodium diet, it was one blood pressure point. Wow. That's not, you know, preventing hypertension. There's many other things that, that are right. contributing to hypertension. I think the most major thing is, is poor diet, but right. um, it's, it's not your sodium content. As a matter of fact, the um, Salim Yosef, who used to be the head of the, um, the International Heart Federation, he was part of those really large epidemiological studies. And he said that, that they found a sweet spot of where you had the, the fewest cardiac adverse events. And that um, sweet spot of the amount of sodium intake was um, is like, I think it was uh, four to six grams of salt per day. And we're recommended to have, um, you know, around two grams. So the recommended amount of sodium intake is way lower than what is our sweet spot. And then if you eat more than six grams, you have a slightly elevated intake of uh, incidence of heart adverse heart events, but mm -hmm. there's way more adverse heart events at the low end when you're below that four grams of salt per day. Right. So uh, people in general can have an increased salt intake without harm. Again, I got to say that you always are going to consult with your medical provider before making drastic changes. But I think you will find that you feel much better when you're getting adequate electrolytes, including sodium. Yeah, this is this is also fascinating. I just I just love the science geeky part of, of <laughs> eating. It just is. I, I guess it's because of just my own personal experience. You know, we were taught this standard way of, of eating for so long. Yes. Yes. And to me, it was obvious. Well, actually, I wish I could say it was obvious to me. It wasn't working, and I knew I was doing everything that they were telling me to do. And so I just, I didn't know anything about lipedema, and it was so frustrating, but it was obvious that there was something that was not right. right. And so when I found out about lipedema, that kind of answered one, one part of the equation. But I think that finding the right eating plan is, is really the other part of the equation that people need to figure out for themselves. Right. Now, for people who are interested in keto one of the things that kind of gets them intimidated is the whole idea of worrying about macros right how how so, important do you think that is i mean for for people just starting out what what is your advice so i, I like you i adore ben bickman who is a researcher out of utah and I like to go by his recommendations. So he, Dr. Bickman does a lot of research and he's like a, he's a lipid uh, professional. So he's a lipid expert. And what he always says is control for carbs. And for women with lipedema, it's going to be 20 grams or less per day. And I say, that's the only thing you need to calculate. That's the only thing you need to count. You don't need to count calories, although it's fine if you still want to. 
Um, you just need to, to know how many carbohydrates you, you're getting. And if you're sticking to animal products, if you're doing a little carnivore challenge, um, you don't even need to count because you're going to be low enough. I mean, in, if you eat dairy, you're going to get a few carbs in that, but you're going to be well below that, that 20 grams per day. But if you enjoy um, some plant-based foods, then you want to calculate that. After that, it's you want you want to don't be afraid of protein. Eat plenty of protein. So your and your protein choices. What do you like? Do you like chicken? Do you like fish? Do you like uh, beef? Do you like pork? Do you like eggs? You find the the protein sources you like, and then um, and then you're going to fill in with fat. So. I say do you know, and actually Ben Bickman says to prioritize protein. And so make sure with every meal you're getting some protein source. But I don't say I don't think you even need to calculate the amount of it. Eat mm -hmm. to satiation and if you're still hungry, fill in with fat. Right. So um, so as far as macros go, the only thing that I would calculate is is your carbs. And when we first started this out, we were going by the, the ketogenic lifestyle for people with obesity. And it's just not the same for women with lipedema. And so we were saying to use these macros, 20 grams for less for carbohydrates. Uh, protein was based on your ideal body weight and, you know, multiplied by, you know, a certain factor. And so you come out with, you know, like 70 grams of protein, and then you used to have double the fat, which would be 140 grams of fat. And women were constantly going, you know, I'm just not hungry. And I've only had 100 grams of fat today. What should I do? And and, and we're, we're just finding, no, that's just not right. Yeah. Um, we, we don't need to do that. Right. For lipedema, we don't need to do that. So just be concerned with keeping your carbohydrates low and uh, make sure you have protein with every meal, but don't, don't calculate it. And then if you're still hungry, fill in with some fat. Put some butter mm -hmm. on your steak, mm -hmm. um, you know, various things like that to to um, increase your, your satiety, mm -hmm. but you don't need to calculate it. Right. That's what I try to do. And, and one more thing, just to complete my, my Ben Bickman fangirl thing. Yes. yes. Um, one of the things that he's just said recently that has just kind of, kind of blown my mind a little bit is, you know, I've always heard people talking about, well, you know, there's no essential carbohydrates, there are essential fatty acids and there are essential um, amino acids. So you need to right. eat fat and, and protein, but you don't really need to eat carbs. Right. Well, one of the things that he's said recently that just kind of kind of puts it all in, in clarity to me is he said, in nature, fat and protein always come together because you need them. Right. Carbohydrates stand alone because you right. don't need them. Right. And they're only naturally available to most people on the planet at certain times of year because... Right. They weren't meant to be eaten all the time. They were meant uh -huh. to be eaten before the season of scarcity to fatten you up. And I was mm -hmm. like, mind blown. That's just, yes. it just, it puts it, it's very, very simple, but it's like, just don't worry about, just eat fat and protein together and you're good. Mm -hmm. right, and it was right. just like, of course, that, that just makes so much sense. And right. for people who are interested in Dr. Bickman, he, he's actually Professor Bickman. He's in uh, U Utah. I don't remember if it's what the university is there, but he just released a book called Why We Get Sick. And that's right. the next step on my list for, for reading. Um, yes. 
But any and did you have any additional things that you feel like we haven't addressed yet or that you wanted to mention before uh, we well, I, like I with I the Lipedema project? And I know I, I, two things that I want to address um, if we have enough time. Sure. One is I wanted to talk about the uh, the registry. Um, if any women with lipedema wants to help out with the body of knowledge about lipedema, then um, you want to contribute to the International Lymphatic Disease and Lymphedema Patient Registry and Biorepository. And it, it says lymphedema in the title, but Dr. Roxon, who is helping to administer this registry, specifically is looking for women with lipedema because we desperately need to increase our knowledge about this and so you would you participate online you give your whole medical history if you have it available you can also give lab reports blood reports if you have tissue samples available um, that you know from a, a surgery or something you had or something like that then you can have those tissues be put into the biorepository so um, I want to strongly recommend that your listeners participate in this. It's through LEARN, the Lymphatic Education and Research Network. You can get to the um, registry through that website. It's, um, let's see, I'm looking for the website, lymphaticnetwork.org. I'll, I'll put a link in, in the notes after the yes. podcast. So and, and I really urge people, we need more women with lipedema to be in that registry. It's going to just help us so much with our increased understanding of this condition. So I really wanted to um, put a plug in for that. And the last thing that I wanted to touch on was our conference that we're going to be having. Yes, I'm excited for that. Ben Bickman's going to be there, I hear. <laughs> and he is going to be one of our speakers. Yay. Yes. Um, so the Ketogenic Solution for Lymphatic Fat Disorders Virtual Symposium, so it's online, it's going to be held on November 7 and 8, Saturday and Sunday. Um, it's going to be um, Eastern time. I think it's going to go like 11 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. We have a stunning list of presenters, most of them giving very short presentations because we wanted to fit so many in. Uh, those of you that might have done uh, Dr. Ken Berry's conference, um, I think he only had a total of, what did he have, 12 presenters or something, four something per day like over mm -hmm. three days. We're, right. we're packing in a lot more than that because they're only, um, our keynote speaker is Dr. Eric Westman and he will be speaking longer but we have set up other people that are, are for a shorter time. We have clinicians, um, Dr. Gabrielle Ferber from Germany. She's using a ketogenic diet with her lipedema patients and she's been doing it for years. She's published several articles, but she's going to be talking about her experiences in her clinic. Um, those of you that are already in the ketogenic community know Dr. Robert Saivez, who is a bariatric physician in Florida, and um, he is going to be talking. He is actually, we've been communicating him a lot about lipedema, and he may even help us do our clinical trial. Oh, um, be great. He's very interested in that. And then there has been several researchers that have either finished research or engaged in research right now with lipedema or lymphedema and ketogenic diet. 
And so we have a researcher that's going to be coming on from Norway, uh, a couple from Belgium. Um, Belinda Fetke just signed her on. Great. Um, she is from, uh, is it Australia or New Zealand? Now I'm forgetting. I think Australia. So her husband is a orthopedic surgeon, a physician that, um, that is used this way of eating um, with his patients. And Belinda has actually done um, some interesting research about why um, culturally we're so opposed to this way of eating. And um, she's um, had some articles published and stuff. So she's gonna be talking to us about that. We have uh, several people who have either a lymphatic or a fat disorder or both and are going to be talking about their experience um, with that and then we just have uh, a bunch of the faculty um, from the lipedema project that are also going to be talking so it's going to be two days of a really packed schedule that's going to be wonderful you don't want to miss it you can also just pay for the recordings so you won't be if you can't be there to participate in the the q a um, just um, get the package for the recordings, which is only thirty-seven. I was going to say the, the cost is actually really reasonable. Um, yes. So it's 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 a worthy investment, that's for sure. Yeah, and and what we're finding is because everybody's doing virtual conferences these days, right? And your costs for putting on a virtual conference, as you can imagine, are quite a bit less. Um, we are we decided early on that if we had a live in-person conference we would pay our speakers and we would pay for their travel and you know all their travel expenses wow. and many um, conferences when you're going to go present just because you're desperate to get your idea out you pay for yourself but we wanted to facilitate people um, coming to present their ideas so originally we were going to pay for Dr. Ferber to come from Germany and Dr. Nimmo to come from Norway, but now, um, you know, our expenses are much reduced. And so then our registration is much reduced and we have some fantastic sponsors that have already signed on um, people uh, and uh, companies that uh, have supports for people who have a lymphatic or fat disorder, compression garments and pumps and uh, different organizations like that. So I think you're going to find that this is going to be a fabulous virtual conference. That sounds great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And before we close, I just want to mention one more time again for people who are interested. Leslin's book is called The Ketogenic Solution for Lymphatic Disorders, Lose Weight and Dramatically Reduce Lymphatic Swelling, which is available from her website, which I'll have a link to in the notes after the podcast. And um, this has been great, Leslin. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, um, Lori. I, I'd love to come back on anytime. You know how I just love talking to you about this stuff. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I kind of needed to make sure I put a, a time limit on myself because I know, I'm, I know. I'm, we, I'm we, equally geeky. I could be talking about this for the rest forever. of the night. <laughs> but anyway, but thank you so much. And uh, I'll be in yeah, touch. And yeah. I'll you know when this is all going to get um, put together and, and put out into the world. Thanks again. Thank you, Lori. It's been great. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. Thanks again to Leslin for joining me on this episode. There will be links to Leslin's website so you can learn more about her work and get her book. 
There will also be links to the Lipedema Project and Lipedema Simplified. And if you have an Amazon Echo product, you can also check out their mini podcasts by activating the Living Well with Lipedema skill in your Alexa app. There'll also be a link in the show notes to information about the adipose scientist we discussed, Dr. Ben Bickman. I'd like to thank everyone who's been listening to and sharing the podcast. I would really appreciate it if you could go to Apple Podcasts or to your podcast provider and review Spotlight Lipedema. This will help others find the podcast and will help spread lipedema awareness. If you could share it with your friends on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and other social media platforms, that would be great too. I hope you're finding this podcast informative and helpful. Stop by the podcast's Facebook page or find it on Twitter at, at SpotLipedema and let me know what you think. What would you like me to cover in a future podcast? Remember, this is our podcast and I welcome your input. So until next time, stay strong, have patience with yourself, stay optimistic, and just take things one day at a time.